eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's you, Sparky Pfeiffer here on the Spare Time Bullet Show podcast along with our guy Phil Brylow. Of course, you can follow Phil on Twitter at Bruce City Bowling. And of course, there is Dwight Albert from Spare Time Pro Shop in New Berlin, Wisconsin. Follow him on Twitter at Dewey 300. Of course, you can follow me at Sparky Radio. Joining us now, he is uh, the winner of the U.S. Open and one of very few that have won the Triple Crown. He is EJ Tackett. EJ, thanks for coming on the Spare Time Bowling Show, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Anytime. I got to tell you, man, I, years ago, I remember meeting you for the first time, interviewing you when you were out at the World Series of Bowling uh, out in Las Vegas. And to see where you were coming in as this, as we called you back in the day when we did this show, a young gun mm-hmm. uh, to where you are now. It is uh, quite a, a journey. What what does this version of EJ Tackett tell that version of EJ Tackett as he was breaking into the PBA Tour about what was about to come? Keep at it. <laughs> That'd be about it. Um, you know, you don't want to, if you're able to go back in time, you don't want to spoil the future. You know, um, I would, I would tell myself just to keep working hard and, and work harder than you think you should. Um, do, do more things than, than you think that you should do and uh, keep moving forward. There's going to be ups and downs. I've, I've certainly gone through, Plenty of ups and downs in my career so far, um, but it's you know it's part of it. It's part of life. It's just uh, you have to ride the waves, and you can't let either wave um, get the better of you. You can't get too high and you can't get too low. You kind of have to stay in the middle somewhere. Hey EJ, it's two dollar Phil. Uh, you mentioned the ups and downs and getting you through everything. Uh, the coolest part of the day for me yesterday was after you won was getting over by your family right away. Your dad, your mom, your wife, Natalie, and uh, and giving everybody the big hug and, and stuff like that. How important has Team Tech been through those up and downs with, with, with your family? Well, I mean, it's it's uh, it's been us the whole time. You know, my dad's been my coach my whole life and will continue to be until he can't do it anymore. Um, 
So that's, you know, the, the family part of it is the most important thing. And um, I've had the greatest support system that anyone could ever ask for. Are, are you inside? I hear pinfall in the background. Are you inside your family center easy bowl right now? I sure am. <laughs> Morning league and EJ's there handing out uh, <laughs> coffee and donuts for the coffee clutches. I love it. That's awesome. Yes, sir. EJ, during the show, uh, there was a little uh, chat on social media between you and Kyle right around the fifth, sixth frame where you guys both had messenger strikes on the left lane and uh, he pulled out the pick. You point, kind of pointed at him. Uh, some of the people are talking about that. Uh, can you elaborate at all on that? Did you get a chance to hear what he had to say after the finger point? Uh, no, I, uh, you know, it was all in, in good fun. I mean, there was nothing mouse so of me and Kyle both had a good time with it. Obviously he's doing, he's always doing the pick thing. And, um, I think, I think we kind of, uh, missed, a, a high five exchange. I think, uh, he kind of was going to put his hand out and I think I caught it my peripherals and we, I think we just missed a high five. I think it was just, uh, <laughs> just, just, you know, normal, normal stuff. You know, you're like, uh, I think you tried to high five me. So I'm going to try. So, you know, it was one of those things, but, um, you know, we, we always like to have, try to have a little bit of fun and I know Kyle definitely does. And, uh, yeah, I think it was just a, a bad exchange at the moment. <laughs> well, EJ, that pair you bowled on yesterday for the championship, it, it's a pair that they didn't use all week long. You had to sit there and watch it for two days before you got on. Obviously, you still had last year in the back of your mind. How do you attack a pair like that that seems to play so different from lane to lane while you're, and you just got to sit there and wait? I mean, what was the mental process beforehand and mental process when you got on the lane? Well, you know, in, in, in theory, it's not any different than showing up to an event and bowling on a pair you haven't bowled on um, yet in, during the week. So, you know, like the first round of, of qualifying, you go bowl on, on 15 and 16, and then you move to 21 and 22, you know, you haven't bowled on either one of those pairs yet. So, um, you know, I, I kind of I look at it like that. Yeah, we didn't bowl this week, but you know, I, bowled, I bowled for the first time on every pair that we bowled on at some point this week, too. So. Um, I kind of look at it that way, but it was, it was nice to kind of get two days, um, you know, seven matches of watching guys and how the lanes broke down, and, um, how they were playing them and uh, the tendencies that the pair was kind of having uh, throughout the matches, um, you know, that, that helped a lot. You know, all that information was, was, uh, was great to have uh, in my back pocket. And um, I was able to go out there and, um, in, in my practice shots before, before the show started uh, on that pair, I get eight shots, four on each lane. And I was able to figure out um, fairly quickly with the help of Brett uh, what the pair was doing. And then after that, it was all about just making good shots. EJ Tackett beats Kyle Troop 221 to 208 uh, as the one seed wins the U.S. Open. Triple crown winner as well. Follow him on Twitter at EJT. Uh, 300 the other thing uh that you know if you watch on saturday and sunday as a fan on tv the amount of splits was mind-boggling and then you hear them talk about how many splits there were during the week the 710 splits and so forth i mean you talk about the mental process of getting ready for that match but even when you're in the middle of a match and let's say you throw a split i mean there's in the back of your head you're got to be thinking well there very well might be one coming for the other guy too that had to be something different to handle as well i would imagine yeah um you know, in situations like that, you never expect 
someone to mess up, especially someone like Kyle, because he's been so good on TV and in those kind of matches throughout his career. So you never expect um, him to make mistakes. So I, you know, I've always felt like every mistake that I do make is detrimental and, and costly. Um, fortunately for me, you know, it, it went both ways, and Kyle got re- he really got got screwed in the middle of the game when he left that seven nine. I mean, true. It's so hard to throw good shots already in the U.S. Open and title match. I mean, you it, he threw a good shot. It might have just been maybe a, a little bit extra rotated off his hand or just a touch slow. I mean, it was so close to being a perfect shot. Um, he didn't deserve. Oh. And we lost EJ Tackett. There went his cell. So anyways, thanks again to EJ Tackett for joining us. Again, winner of the 2023 U.S. Open. You can follow him on Twitter at EJT300. And Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Look, this is the the one thing. And I watching this thing, whether it be Saturday or whether it be Sunday, we'll get to recapping this thing uh, a little bit later in the show, but man, have there been a lot of tournaments where you've had these many splits this consistently? I mean, as a fan, you're watching it. And again, it was like watching a train wreck. Like we talked about before, like watching a U.S. open for golf and the greens are super fast and balls are flying all over the place. That's kind of what this felt like. You were just waiting for the next split and to see who could avoid the most splits in a match. Yeah. The the thing that the the word that came through my head and I was going to say it to EJ because he's a big golfer watching the U.S. open is the word penal. Um, And as a golfer, you bring that word up all the time when you hit a tough course. Uh, if you do make a mistake, it's maximum penalty, um, a very penal uh, lane condition for U.S. Open. That's what I kept seeing. One little mistake. You didn't break up a split. You left uh, many times on both shows a six count. Right. Yeah. And see, that's that's the other thing, too. Right. So and uh, Rob Stone was talking about it uh, as far as I forgot what match it was. It was I think it was Saturday. And, you know, he kind of led you to believe like, OK, maybe this was over. And Randy right. was like, well, not yet. And then all yeah. of a sudden, wham, a split happens. You're like, okay, now the other bowlers can have a chance to climb right back into this thing. That to me is amazing yes. because in most tournaments, you have a couple of splits in a game, you're going to lose. That wasn't necessarily the case for this US Open. And I can imagine qualifying was the same way. And the thing is with bowling, there, there's no such thing as defense, but the way right. some of these guys approached how they were attacking lanes, and you saw it a lot of times with the guys with urethane, it was a defensive play. It was something where, yeah, there wasn't a lot of hook. They knew they were going to give up the occasional flat 10, right. but it wasn't going to give them the, the big gaping split in most cases. You still saw a few splits, especially the 7-10s right. uh, with, with the urethane. There was, one, there was one with the resin ball too, but 
Yeah, it, it, they were. Just, it was a. It was a struggle all the way through the week, and when they get to that point on the show, they they know that a nine spare might make the. It, it might not be a three bagger. It might be the nine spare that makes the difference, and it was the case in a lot of in a lot of those matches. Well, well we, in the title match, uh, you guys talk about the seven nine. You were talking about the seven nine with EJ. Uh, uh, his first frame, Kyle Troop's first frame, he almost left the seven nine. Yeah. He left this the nine yeah. went out at the very last second. I, I mean, that could have been two seven nines in just that one match. Yeah, I wonder if EJ made a move off of that too, because when EJ walked up in the sixth frame, if you looked at strike tracks, EJ was everything was about three boards left of what it was his last time on that lane in the fourth. And obviously with Troop on that lane in the fifth, you know, did EJ make a move off of that? Or was that maybe a little bit of a mistake where all of a sudden, hey, look what I found? Because you look at what EJ did. The rest of the way through on that match, EJ stepped up in the ninth frame, left the ring 10 on a great shot, but then he got the first two in the 10th. So, you know, that, that's the thing. When, when Troop left his split um, at the end, I literally did this. Oh my God, he did it again. That literally was it. Now, now look, I'll, I'll be honest. I love me some EJ Tackett. Like, mm -hmm. like I said, I've interviewed him so many times from back when he was first on tour. Now, not in the last couple of years. Obviously, we didn't have our show. I meant out, uh, out in about like I used to be, but I love EJ Tackett. Um, Troop, I have, I've only interviewed maybe once, maybe. Um, so I really don't know Troop as much, but there was just that sense of Troop kind of wrote me in from winning on Saturday and beating Knowles to then getting on that run Sunday, mm -hmm. which we missed the first match, uh, because of, uh, college basketball. Um, but kind of wrote me in. And then I, I was telling you guys before we started, my six-year-old walks in and sees Kyle Troop mm -hmm. on TV and goes, Whoa, he's got a lot of hair. So then, obviously, we all kind of started rooting for Kyle Troop a little bit because the six-year-old got involved and got invested <laughs> in, in Kyle Troop being on TV. So we were all kind of pulling for him. And so that that split, though, and it got done. And I'm just like, my God, two days of watching this, I can never remember seeing a tournament this messed up as far as these many splits and all variations of splits. It wasn't just mm -hmm. one kind of split. It was variations of splits. And it wasn't just one lane. It was both lanes creating havoc for all these bowlers, Phil. And it just goes to show you that with, you know, the, the top of, you know, they, they want to show the best of the best with these lane conditions and the condition they had in the show was so unique because if you look down lane and it, you really couldn't see it from behind, but if you saw the patterns on, on, on posted on the websites and such, there's like what's called a speed bump in there. Yeah. And it went from about 37 to 40, you know, 37 to 39 feet, or maybe 35 to 39 feet. And the guys really had to contend with that. So explain what a week. speed bump is. It's just basically a, a lot of oil all the way across the lane. So if you think about a speed in a bump little, in the road. In a little area. In a little area. Gotcha. So these guys got to deal with that. So all of a sudden, these shots that on other conditions, they know they can get away with. Uh, if there's a speed mistake, it gets magnified one way or the other. And it either all of a sudden they get a little slow and it really pops the ball across the face. Right. Or they get that little bit quick. I mean, you saw boards that were that were shoved at the foul line, a board right to start with, and they ended up four boards right yeah, at the break close. point. Yeah. yeah. So these guys dealing with that all week too. It's just, you know, yeah. like I said before, there, there's no defense in bowling, but it, it's hard to play offense when you know what's going on out there. The, the other thing too is lane conditions dictate pin carry. Also, oh yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, so you talk about the carry, you talk about the splits. Well, that's also dictated by the pattern. Hey, I got a question for y'all. Um, so when uh who was it that was bowling i should go back and look i forgot who it was it was on uh saturday what's the dude's name brown hair got the goatee i can't think it was kent no uh marshall kent marshall kent yeah that's who it was marshall kent and they made a big deal on the broadcast uh, about how he went from 15 to 16 pounds yep now again i, I i'm curious how yep. many of these guys are throwing 16 pounds nowadays because i know 
when I was bowling league and all that, we all threw 15. I yeah. used to throw 16 rounds coming up as a as a kid. You know, my dad's like, oh, 16. All right, now you're a man, whatever. Yeah. And then once you get in adult leagues, you're like, nobody else is throwing 16. Why the hell am I? So, and I'm not a big dude to begin with, so I went with 15. Yeah. Like, how popular is this 16-pound ball nowadays? Right. So I asked that question to Sean Rash at one of our trade shows in Chicago, and his answer was, well, I can only speak to the guys that are on my staff which are probably at that time it was Brunswick. So let's say about 2025. Right. And his words were, I'm the only one throwing 16 out of all of us. Now he's dropped to 15, of course, with his well, he's back, got and, back issues. Yeah. yeah. Back issues and everything. So I, I think that number still is very low. Yeah. I think about 90% of the stuff on the truck is, is 15. 15 pounds. Right. There might and, be a guy or two like Bill O'Neill that throws 14. Well, how much of an advantage but, is 16 then? I mean, I know it's more weight, but they were making yeah. the deal on the broadcast, Peterson and Stone, as far yeah. as it's creating more impact and more drive, which makes sense in my mind. But then why wouldn't everybody else be using 16? Only time I ever noticed that as a bowler myself is when we were on brand new bowling pins. Um, and proprietors tend to put new pins in in the fall. Uh, to get through the season sure. on them. Um, that's when I noticed the difference between 15 and 16. Once the pins were broken, I, I could, my eyes could not tell the difference. Yeah, there's been studies done out there that even show that even 14-pound equipment with rev rate and speed has the same hit and carry as 15-pound. And I'm sure it's you know it, it, it's all rev rate, speed, angles, stuff like that, that's where one thing. ball can carry better than another one. Right, one little, little things that I was picking up on throughout watching this, right? Here's another little thing. Randy Peterson loved circling speed oh look at how fast he's throwing mm -hmm. but what he wasn't doing as much is okay this guy's throwing this fast but his rev rate is actually higher than the guy throwing faster with a lower rev rate right like to me that should have been pointed out okay look this dude's throwing faster than this dude but his rev rate's not as good so how much of a difference really is there when the rev rate's not as fast as the other guy even though you're throwing it a half mile an hour faster or whatever the case may be once again that comes down to the equipment in hand are they, are they using something that has you know some scuff on it like the urethane that troop was throwing or something like how richie teese was throwing urethane but it had it almost looked like polish on it so right. you know with a little it was polish, a pitch it's black not, polish yeah yeah so it's not yeah. gonna get as much friction so you see richie kind of floating you see him floating it a little bit more type of thing so it, it's all those factors that come together and you know whether randy's got enough time to talk about that between shots that's it's a tough call right but i'm just saying when you do it he focused yeah. on the speed yeah but never really got into the rev rate and yeah. the difference now again yeah. i understand he knows what he's talking about yeah. i get it yeah. and probably what 30 to 40 percent of the people watching probably know what he's talking about mm -hmm. but a lot of people probably don't know what he, like if you would have went into that crowd at that tournament Yes. And said, right. can you tell me the difference between the two? I bet you a yeah. majority of those people would have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. No, I mean, guess. they're not getting into the technical aspect. Correct. Of when and you're... they don't have a lot of time, like Phil said. Right. right. Did you have anything else to add to this? I'm sorry. No, Well, Penn always used to say at his seminars, we used to go to a bowler will never score when they're either speed or rev dominant. They score when they match up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's an absolutely good point. All right, so let's move on to the next have, uh, topic here. Again, thanks to EJ Tackett, even though we had some phone issues. The phone just randomly dropped for some reason. Uh, thanks to him for uh, coming on. And again, U.S. Open champion EJ Tackett, man. I'm getting sold. <laughs> uh, EJ Tackett wins a triple crown. Where does he rank among those that have won it prior? So this is what we've got here. Billy Hardwick. Mm -hmm. Never seen him. Uh, Johnny Petraglia saw him, but he was old. <laughs> uh, Pete Weber watched a majority of his career that I can remember. Maybe not back to the late 70s, but most of the 80s. Mike Albee interviewed him several times, watched majority of his career. Norm Duke, Chris Barnes, Jason Belmonte, Dom Barrett. That one I would not have guessed. And, of course, now E.J. Tackett. So, 
if I were to take EJ Taggart, now we're talking skill, okay? Skill. Mm -hmm. Based on those guys that we put up there together, where's EJ Taggart from a skill perspective? You start talking about the Hardwicks, Petraglias, Pete Webbers, Albies, uh, Duke, Barnes, Belmonte, and Don Bear. Up there because due to the fact that his rev rate and ball speed are so high. So he still has a, he still knows where the ball's going, even though his rev rate is so high. Um, a lot of the other guys hate to say it, except maybe for Barrett. Barrett's up there for close to rev rate. Um, but a lot of those guys Almonte's are. has got to be there. Um, Almonte yeah. also, but a lot of those early guys that you were mentioned fall under shot making. Sure. Billy Hardwick. But I, what's more of a skill? Is shot making more of a skill or producing a lot of rev rate more I, of a skill? I, again, I think it's that combination. You need to know where it's going along with having that high uh, ball speed, high rev rate. Um, it's always that balance act. All the times you see these guys come out on the tour and they're either one or the other. Either they have all that ball speed and rev rate. I have no idea where it's going. Let me ask you this, Phil Bryler. Yep. In football, we always talk about, man, these guys can't tackle for crap. They're not nearly as good as they used to be back in the 80s where they used to take guys' heads off and whatever else, right? Tackling is <laughs> way down. The NFL, these guys don't know what the hell they're doing. And a lot of it is the rules and so forth. They've taken a lot of this away from the defenders, so they can't be as aggressive as they were back uh, in the day. Or in the NBA, man, these guys can't hit free throws anymore. Like, this would never be allowed back in my day, so forth. Is shot making, spare making, right? That type of deal. Is it as good as it was back in the day? Back in the 80s and so forth, is it worse than it was? The same? Better? What, what would you say? If you're in the top 20 on tour, your spare making game is phenomenal. Right on right on the mark. Right. I mean, I, you could take any of those nine guys you put on that list, and they're pheno- they're all phenomenal spare makers. Absolutely. And a lot of guys get under – everybody looks at the Belmos and the Tackets mm-hmm. and 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 even Mark Roth back in the day. Yeah. Mark Roth was a phenomenal spare shooter, especially splits. You look at Belmont Belmo on TV – Making two, four, eight, tens, and three, three, four, six, seven, making nines, and stuff like easy. that, and making it look absolutely it easy. Not. Yeah, he gets enough practice at him, though. Right? <laughs> hey, be nice. But that's what you know. That's the bar. You know, you, you know, you're gonna get the bar reaction. Sometimes you have that bar reaction right. where it's you're gonna get a strike, and if you miss by a little, you're gonna get half. Right. But you gotta be able to pick those up. Yeah. All those guys in that list. I mean, they don't get there by just having a phenomenal strike game. Except and for if you took these guys. Let's say you took because uh, Weber had the technology. But if you took, like, say, Mike Alby from back in the day, uh, back in his prime, and you gave him this equipment. Well, that was the tail end of his career, though. Resin came out at the tail end of the Alby's career. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. he was older by the, t- by the time. He- I'm saying in the prime of his career. Weber got it towards the end of his career. He was still winning, right. obviously, I, towards the I, end well, of Weber his career. Weber got 20 years with but Resin. He wasn't, yeah. But he, he wasn't in his 20s, necessarily, yeah. when this Resin came in, like right. these other guys. Have I, I think a better name would be Earl Anthony. Ooh, there's another one. Yeah, I mean, Earl's accuracy and consistency. If he had resin t- in his day, um, I, I think he would have been or untouchable. With, or Roth with resin. Yes. Roth already had high rev rate well, without the resin see, at that point. I, I, see, I don't agree with that because talking with Marshall Holman back in the day, the one thing he absolutely hated when he came out on tour was resin. And that was one of the reasons why he was only out there for about three years and only won one title with resin. Why? Just the way it, he worked all the years to get the power and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, Guys had it. And even the playing field. And even the playing field. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I guess I had not thought about it from that perspective. Yeah. Marshall yeah. was one of those guys where he kind of, and then he went in the broadcast booth for a while and it was so good. He kind of knew when it was, booth. when it was his way to, to get out. I loved when I got a chance to work with Marshall on extra frame, especially at world series of bowlings. He wasn't still involved day in day out in the sport, but 
when you got the champions drive like he does, you can follow what's going on and he could tell he was telling what moves guys are gonna make and stuff like that. And they were doing it. It was it was fun to watch. It was yeah. fun to be a part so of. So good. See if Phil remembers this guy. Uh, made the show in Milwaukee, won the show in Milwaukee, and never made a telecast after it was right around resin introduction was Kelly Kaufman. There was I, another guy that could wind it up. Yeah, I mean, he Kelly was, Kaufman could put, he was low uh, 500s, wins the, the tournament PBA and Celebrity, 1992, never made a telecast after that. The resin came out in 93, never wow. made another show. See, that's that, that, um, that stuff is wild. All right, so let's yeah. talk about these triple crowd winners. <laughs> so EJ Taggart being put into this list right? As far as, you know, who these guys are for me. Now I would put Tackett in front of Dom Barrett. Okay. If we're talking mm -hmm. about ranking these bowlers or whatever else, and that's it. I, I think that's the only one he goes in front of and, and Albie, maybe, maybe Albie, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm I remembering Albie higher. better than he was, yeah. but I liked Mike Albie when I was growing up. Um, there's no way he's in front of Pete at this point. He's definitely not in front of Belmo Barnes or Duke um, and Hardwick. Again, that's way before my time. Uh, so what say you? Yeah, it's EJ's around seventh on my list. Yeah, at the moment. But as the titles start piling up and he's sure. got to worry about guys like Anthony Simonson right behind him. Simonson could be, you know, all he's got to do is get a TOC under the belt. And there you go. Mm -hmm. Right. Got another one. Yeah. Yeah. Simonson's so. really good. Yeah. No, no question. About For me, it'd be about the sixth. I agree with Phil six to seven. Somewhere in that area. Mm -hmm. yeah. But with the opportunity to continue to move up the ranks, obviously. Sure. Uh, at this point, I, I did find one thing funny talking about Chris Barnes, how they did that little Super Bowl segment during the, the interviews or whatever else. And <laughs> everybody was picking yeah. against Kansas City because right. they didn't want Barnes to be bragging about how his Chiefs won the Super Bowl coming yeah. up this week. That was really it's good. a It's a nice comical bit uh, during the show to take away from the seriousness of the show, of course, because yeah. this is, of course, a major and he wins $100,000 for it. So I like those small it's in the short too. It's only a minute bit, but it's good because it allows you into the personalities of some of these exactly. guys. Yeah. They That's didn't even mention like. the check size, did they, on the show at all in two days? No, no. yeah, I didn't think so. No, and it's not important. Yeah. I mean, necessarily I on social media, right? It's not really yeah. important. What I did like was, who was it? Knowles. Who is like, oh, this is his 60th game of the week. Yeah. To me, that says a to me, the casual bowler. We just talked about this on the last podcast, right? About mm -hmm. are these casual bowlers that they, they can go on the PBA tour or whatever. Right. To think about that for a second, y'all. Those of you listening to the Spare Time Bowling Podcast right now, think about if I told you, okay, you have a week off of work, but you have to bowl 60 games by this point on Sunday afternoon. 60. All right, yeah. you could start here on Monday. Go ahead. Go oh, right. And then start at different times of the day every day. Yeah, I mean. So you got to wor work your schedule around that and then make sure that everything still fits. And, well, make sure everything still fits yeah. and make sure you haven't torn your thumb up. And right. What are you going to do to patch it up if it does happen? Because it's going to happen. Well, Kyle Troop had the issue with his finger. Right. Yep. And he was talking about, well, eventually it'll go numb and then this won't be a problem. And it's the finger that he's got to stick in the ball. It wasn't like a finger that didn't have anything to do with it. It was just resting on the outside of the ball. I don't think the fan at home can understand or realize 60 games because they'll never do that. It's psychotic. Right. In their life. I'll they can't relate psychotic. with it. Like right. if I bowl like six games in a day, right. like I'm spent. I'm probably right. not moving the next day. 60 in a week. week. Get out of here. Like there is yep. no way. There's I give no the kid chance. credit. Yeah, I give the kid credit. It's just absolutely crazy. All right, let's uh, let's go to the recap uh, of the U.S. Open. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So let's talk about Nils. So that, that first match, you get two dudes from Michigan that yep. know each other, whatever else. Nils comes out being the chirpy, loud one. I was like, okay, this is all right. I'm not far sure how far, how far he's going to go, but it's all right. He was, in my opinion, y'all may disagree. Of the two days we saw on TV, between FS1 on Saturday and Fox on Sunday, he was the luckiest bowler. Uh, of the weekend of those two games, he carried more crap uh, and avoided more splits more times than not, I think, throughout the entire weekend. I don't know if you guys agree with that or not. Well, I mean, there's got to be, I mean, it's your week when there's a marriage of, uh, you, uh, you got to be lucky and good. Oh, he was lucky. I think the the big turning point for Knowles was at end of that match against Marshall Kent because he was down yes. and should have been gone. Yeah, Kent, and Kent all of a sudden goes 210, 210. Yeah. Yeah. Kent's just, yeah. Yep. Kent, how does that not hook, you know, the second time in a row? Yep. He was just befuddled and just, I think so that's where that speed bump kind of came in play. And urethane, everybody, you know, urethane matches before that. And all of a sudden he finds trouble. And that's why Randy kept saying it's the U.S. Open. I mean, it's not many over yet. right. Yeah. It's many times during the two shows. I heard him say it's the U.S. Open to Rob. Kent seemed, and they really emphasized this. Now, again, I wasn't following this as closely last year. Was Kent like, like not in a good place last year? Because Rob Stone kept bringing it up over and over and over about, man, he really seems in a good place. He's laughing. He's having a good time, whatever. And I was like, listen, Marshall Kent, I remember from back in the day when I used to cover him before we had this break with the show here. Um, so it, he looked the same to me, like yeah. he, he was fine, but. Yeah, Marshall's dad passed away a couple of years ago, and I saw him at Bull Expo in Las Vegas, and he was living there at the time. And he had a couple of years in there. He goes, I just need to get away from everything. Totally get He it. was just get. And I saw him, EJ Tackett, and his family hosted uh, a regional in November in Indiana, and Marshall was there bowling because Marshall and EJ are really good buddies. And Marshall was in a great mood then. He it, Unfortunately, the ball company he was with at the time, Big Bowling, wasn't registered with the PBA anymore. So he was kind of a free agent for a while. I think it kind of loosened them up a little bit with being a free agent because then, Hey, I can try all this stuff. I can find stuff I'm comfortable yep. with. Uh, things, you know, are turning a little bit more around mentally as right. And now to start the U S open, a good start for the year. I think you're going to see Marshall grab a title somewhere down the line. Well, he's got to win a match on TV right now. Yeah. I mean, that is what yeah. is he? Oh, for six, Oh, for seven. Now after few. that one, yeah. he definitely well, should have won that one against Knowles. I thought he was in a good place when he won with EJ. Um, we were in the crowd for it yeah. at Milwaukee and you know, my daughter and I, so um, he seemed fine to me and they stayed afterwards and meeted with all the fans. And, um, and that's when he was with big bowling, but Phil kind of stole my thunder on it as, he, yeah. as they did document that he changed ball manufacturers. What was, what was the most impressive thing for you from Knowles on Saturday on that run? To me, it was the composure. Like, he never seemed to really get rattled or down. Um, there, and, and some of these guys, you could just tell by facial expression, like, okay, he looks a little shook. Like, he, he might be questioning what's going on right now. I think he kind of, because, again, there's so many games you talked about, um, I think he kind of knew in the back of his mind that he's never out of it until he's out of it. Right. You know, I think every match except for maybe one was down to the 10th frame. Sure was. Yeah. So was I think his, his mental aspect was if I just stay clean, stay in it, I have a chance to win. Yeah. I, I thought he was very impressive. What was your most impressive thing you saw this weekend? Well, with, uh, I, I got to stick with Knowles for, for Saturday because it was just like once he won that first match, it was like you could just, it's like playing with house money. It's like all of a sudden you, you walk in the you walk into the uh, casino, second pull in the slot machine, you get a little bit of a jackpot. And it's like, OK, I got time to just relax and goof around, you know, and not necessarily goof around, obviously, in his case. But you could just kind of see the demeanor just change a little bit. And I've seen him 
bowl match playing regionals and stuff. Like that. And he actually looked looser in that second match and on than he did. And sometimes when I see him bowling regionals. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, okay, here's, you know, I got through the first match. I beat a guy. I know I got a little confidence. You get the troop there at the end on That's Saturday right. and troops, but just hang over there waiting and waiting. If I'm a bowler going up against a guy that's been waiting, right? Like troop against Tackett on Sunday, I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. I know these lanes. I've been bowling on them. I've been watching them break down. I know how they're breaking down. Uh, so come on in. Let's see what happens. If your nose going into that match, yeah, it's Kyle True, fine. But I still feel pretty good going into that match. Well, remember, he could have won and he could have made Sunday show, mm -hmm. but the right lane, both in the eighth and the tenth, got him. him. Killed him. Right. Absolutely killed him. But but again throughout the weekend it wasn't because we've had tournaments before where one lane just killed everybody like right. everybody struggled on one lane nobody wanted to finish on that lane everybody avoided it and this weekend i felt like both lanes were creating problems for the guys it wasn't just one lane and that i think was was the biggest difference of of everything and the thing for Knowles is that he was finishing on both lanes because after he got even in the first match he didn't have lane choice correct and he, he will you heard him at the end of the first match paul I, give me i want that ball in my hand and then troop gave him the chance in that match and it just didn't work. You said that lane was just fried out. It was. Right. Yeah, you actually heard him go off. To, right. So yeah, I picked up on that too. Yeah. It's just, it was, uh, I think, a great US Open. Yes. The splits and all that stuff made it entertaining for the fans because you couldn't turn it off because you knew that this thing can go sideways at any given point as, as you're watching it. And Simonson, when he bowled, yeah. I, me personally, I just kind of felt like, all right, Simonson's going to win this match. Like he's, he's the defending champ. He's won this before. Like this, he's going to figure out how to get this done. And he didn't. I don't know about you guys, but I loved the back-to-back -back day uh, format. I did too. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, more more TV the better. And you had somebody on Twitter mm -hmm. uh, go at you about you know the expanded the, the expanded yeah. TV coverage and all these these guys on TV and all these matches on TV. I don't know, man. I like it. I I had no issues with it whatsoever. I'm just worried about when it gets to the TOC. I mean, 17 guys over three days is going to be a little early on Friday night, especially that well, that's could be what the he tough was talking one. about. This yeah. was Chris yeah. and he tweeted at Dwight 17 man step ladder upcoming. Why not make it the entire cut? L O L. Um, and Dwight responded back. They try to do things are good. Otherwise the format gets stale. I did like yesterday's show. The extra coverage. Chris says, how about a 32 person step ladder? Then I like trying new formats. If they mean two or three game matches, get rid of these one game matches. I'll say this. I'm with Chris. I'm down for that idea. Totally. Now I'm not down for 32 man step ladders, but I am down. <laughs> but what I am right. down for is make the championship match best out of three. Right. When he made that comment, I thought of you right away. Love it. Because right. you love those. Love it. Right. I hate single game eliminations. Right. The NFL playoffs, the NCAA tournament. You can keep all that crap. But I like series. Yeah. NBA, NHL, MLB. Give me the best of, and then let's see who makes the adjustments. So have the step ladder like you normally do, right? But then that championship match, best out of three. Got to win two in order in order to win the title. I like right. that. Who would have who would have been against Hackett and Troop game two? Who would have been against that? Right. Nobody. Everybody would have been like, all right, right, let's see what happens in game two. And now there's pressure. Troop's like, okay, I screwed up in the 10th frame. I'll come back. I'll get this one. We'll go to a game three. The only problem is, and I can hear Tom Clark like, oh, this is great, Sparky, but how are we going to match that with TV? <laughs> but but, but that, that's really the issue because you're right. on a time crunch from a TV yeah. perspective when you're doing live shows. You kind of get screwed in that deal. Well, it's going to be interesting this year because for the first time since the Masters has been on TV, USBC Masters, they're actually doing the old school format where the winner has to, or the number one seed has to lose twice in the finals. Because for years, 
Once it's gotten to TV, it's been, okay, great, you're the number one seed. You lose your dime. It's over, right? Or everybody else has had a chance because it's a double elimination bracket format for the top 64. Yep. Everybody else has had that chance to, to lose once and still stay in the tournament. So it's going to be interesting to see how that happens. And then if the n- number one seed does win the first match, what are they going to do to to fill in that last 25 minutes to half hour? Now, we're assuming that the one seed will not have lost at that point. They, you but can't, it, yeah, in Masters format. You're undefeated if you're the one seed. You're undefeated, guaranteed, no matter what, right? right. So that, so you could get best out of three then at that point. I, I think also part of this, and when you guys were talking, and what was going through my mind was the word tradition. I, I think there's a lar- long tradition of uh, step ladder type of finals, but I'm also open to trying new things. I, I think trying new things is good. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I totally do. And I think Tom Clark has kind of done that. There, there's a lot of stuff Clark has changed and gone away from since you know he's taken over as commissioner. He's not, to my my opinion, I don't think he's scared to make changes, Phil. I think Tom has been willing to to take gambles to change things up. Sometimes they work, sometimes they won't. Right. Sometimes the guy's like, dude, this, I don't like this. Please, let's not do this again. And other times it does work. That whole World Series of Bowling thing that he came up with to tape and everything else to get TV shows on, to, to get guys more shows on TV recorded, yes, that was out of the box. That, that that was something he came up with on his own that turned out to be a really cool deal. Well, remember the first time there was a World Series of Bowling, it was a month. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot of tournaments mm-hmm. packed in and a lot of tapings and, and that kind of thing. And they basically took over Thunder Bowl in Detroit for a month. And the the best part was just the fine-tuning it. Now it's down to a little over a week for the qualifying and everything. This think year, about that. That World games. Series of Bowling went yeah. to South Point. If that World Series of Bowling doesn't go to South Point, does South Point ever get that 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 fancy new those fancy new bowling lanes and digs? Probably not. The only reason we probably get to that point is because they made that a bowling, uh, not epicenter, but a, right. a, a bowling type casino where all these bowlers flock to us. Oh, World World Series of Bowling is whatever else, and now right. you give them the opportunity to grow it from there. That's that's my thought on it. Because other than that, you know, Reno obviously is one that everybody talks about and so forth. But that that redo that they did years ago over there is beautiful yeah. mm-hmm. it's absolutely gorgeous without question all right anything else you guys want to uh chime in on here in the u.s open nothing else because i got one more thing bring it on okay <laughs> this was on tv uh as well and I, I took a screen i took a picture of it as well because there's no way i was gonna remember all these names the father's son bowling yeah. for yeah. the u.s open yeah. was pretty cool right so you had chris barnes and ryan barnes you had Wes mallet and jordan mallet yep. you had parker bone the third and justin bone and brandon bone parker bone and near started tearing up yes uh when they interviewed right. him about his sons being there again i know i like to do this a lot but this very same thing is happening in nascar right now you got guys yep. that you used to watch in the 80s and 90s and their kids are racing now uh in, in the cup series at the clash or whatever the case may be uh, where the Rose Bowl is played on Sunday night. Uh, your thoughts uh, on this happening? I think it's a, I think it's very cool for the PBA. Well, we were trying to talk about this a few weeks ago when we were talking about faces of the PBA yes. and then future faces of the PBA. And, well, my two are going to be uh, Ryan Barnes and then, of course, the Bone Brothers. Uh, future faces of the – I didn't know about um, – uh, I thought Ronnie Ru- Right. Mm. Uh, I thought Ronnie Russell's son. Uh, another, Jayden, yeah. yeah. Another one that could be a future face – the PBA, this is going to be our next TV stars on on every show. Well, we'll see. I mean, that's a if long, they pursue it, right? It's a long way to go, and there's a lot of pressure. Like I remember, uh, I think it was Mark Martin, um, his son, a NASCAR. Uh, he was coming up to the go karts, everything else, and then all of a sudden, got burned out. Said, "I don't want to do this anymore." Right? Walked away. 
Well, Justin Bowen, a, a bit of an example of that. Bowl one year collegially at Wichita State, and then just kind of felt college bowling wasn't for him. But his family, they have a center called Reverates. It's actually five lanes walled off inside of Howell Lane in Howell, New Jersey. And it's a training center. You walk in there, it's all that, uh, all the stuff, like they have crunch bowling on TV with the graphics and all that yeah. stuff. They can do fun parties like that in the lanes. And it's a training center. You want a PBA pattern put out there, a US Open pattern put out there? You can get that pattern put on the lane. You want some coaching? You could have Parker Bone as your coach, or John Fury runs the pro shop there, or other pros in that area. There's nothing that like that you. around here. There's nothing like that. There's the Kegel Training Center, the International uh, Training Center in Arlington, Texas at USBC headquarters, and there's a couple other smaller ones, but the, the five lanes they have there are, are, are pretty phenomenal, and they have that coach. It's open to anybody. You could be, you could bring in your own coach. You want to go out there for a couple of days and train on different parents, stuff right? Like that. All you got to do is make the arrangements with the, with the Bone family. It's beautiful. I lied. I got one more thing. Okay. It's, let's explain this to me. So back when we did the show the last time, right, we ended in 2019, yep. each dude had a ball rep. Yeah. Dude, Storm's got three dudes? I know. How much money yeah. does Storm I have to be paying three dudes for one dude bowling? Like, yeah. it was every Storm bowler. Turn around. Same three dudes every time. Right. Now, again. Y'all do what you want to do. I don't get it. Well, but if I'm the bowler, I'll tell you yeah. right now. Me personally, dude, I don't want three dudes. I want one. I don't want three dudes telling me what they all think. Like, just I'll take one guy. Give me my guy. Well, I, and let's go. You're my guy all year. Right. And if I don't like you, I'll interview one of these other two dudes. I, and you could be my guy. But I don't right. need three guys talking to me coming off the lanes every time. I, oh, my God. I, I could be wrong, but doesn't each uh, – they have they own three brands. So does each brand have their own tour rep? No. No, they're just piling on to make sure that their guy gets in the winner's circle so they sell a few more balls Psychotic. the day after the show. Don't like it. Isn't that too much? <laughs> Hell, yes, it's too much. Yeah. I mean, I'm, again – I don't, we didn't have a chance to talk to these guys. At some point, it's going to come up. I don't get it. Like, I, I don't, you're telling me those three dudes all think alike and all have the same exact opinion on every situation because if no. that's no, no. Yeah. right? So now you're the bowler and it's like, so what, what happens, I'm guessing, is there's one of those three that's the dominant personality yeah. and that person kind of takes over. And then there's somebody else of those three that's maybe not as outspoken and doesn't talk as much, maybe disagrees, but just shuts their mouth and says, dude, whatever, we'll do it your way. That's fine. My, and then lets it go. My second question to EJ was going to be how much did Brett Spangler help him with uh, adjustments and, and ball choices? That dude on Twitter is so funny. Oh, oh my, my God. God. He's so hilarious. Funny. Yeah. With his little clips that yeah, he I right. would know. Yeah. You got blocked. Right. That's your fault. Yeah. But okay. I, that was was going to be my question to EJ. Now, I, again, I, they can take all that advice, but the pros still have the final decision to make. They're the ones throwing it on TV. I Ooh. would I would honestly think, with knowing how much EJ trusts his dad with everything, trusts Ed. Said it, that's his coach. Ed, yeah, I would see EJ taking more advice from Ed in that particular situation with one game for the title. He, of course, he listened to Brett, but if Dad saw something. I think that's going to stick. I mean, that's a pretty good relationship that that whole family has. No doubt. And I'm not saying him in general, yeah. but I was just blown away. I'm watching this. Yeah, I'm like, I saw that too. Why are there three dudes? And I was like, huh? Well, maybe each dude has somebody different and they're all just kind of gathering around and hanging out. And I'm watching I'm like same three dudes, oh, same three dudes, I've same seen, three dudes. I've seen powwows after, after match play is done and they name the top five for the show. And you just see powwows where you just got, one or two of the guys that make the show from a like, company with everybody to figure out what they're going to do for the show with unless, new drillings and stuff like that. Unless each dude is something different, right? Mm -hmm. So like one dude's responsibility is lane breakdown and oil pattern and helping in that aspect. The other dude is 
you know, ball specific, right? Hey, this ball might be, work better for you here. Maybe we should redrill this to be that. Maybe that's that guy's that guy. And yeah. then maybe the other guy is like the, the psychologist that's kind of there trying to keep you in the right mental headspace yeah. to go forward. Each <laughs> one has a different job. Again, right. there's a lot of money to spend, in my opinion, <laughs> for three dudes. Well, like, that's crazy. I know I know all three guys. Eric Krause came over from Brunswick, went over to Storm. Uh, Steve, Steve Jacobs, he's part-time, I guess, a part-time rep. He runs a bowling center in Michigan. He helps out when they need him type of thing. Sean Ryan. They needed him? The, there were three well, dudes. I'm How just, the hell did they need it's him? It's a major. you got to be kidding me. It's a major. They didn't have so guys. The, Steve, well, we only got two. We need a third. Well, <laughs> but during, during the week, there was, a, you know, there's a hundred and some guys bowling. So they're all oh, watching the guys and stuff like that. So they got more guys I, also on their staff than any, probably any other staffer right. too. Right. I'm sure they do, but you don't need three dudes on TV, man. Again, man, there's enough going on for a bowler. You don't need three voices <laughs> in your head. Come on, man. And I'm sure nobody talks about this. I'm the only crazy one that, that noticed it and thought it no, was psycho, I, but. I see it all the time. So <laughs> I just a- remember the um, summer series of 2013 and we had Chuck Garner on the radio show. Yeah. Right. But see, now there's a perfect example. Right. I love Chuck. I don't think he likes me, but I I, <laughs> I love Chuck. Well, Chuck doesn't like me because I don't like Sean, but rash, but, but that's okay though, because Chuck to me had the toughest job on tour. He, right. He oh, had yeah. to get hit Sean's head right. It wasn't about <laughs> anything else. It was about keeping Sean's head right, right. because like we talked about earlier, if yeah. something went wrong, Sean could derail instantaneously and right. you could cash it. It was done. Right. But if Sean was right, you know, I remember I was just talking about, man, have a picture of Sarah in your pocket to look at and just chill out and relax. <laughs> I said, you say that all the time right. about Sean because right. it was so much There's... mental. Like I, to this day, I believe he could have won way I... more, but the, the mental side of things and his, I don't know. Totally agree. He couldn't handle it necessarily all the time. He got yeah. in his own headspace and it killed him. I think there's a reason why after 20 years, Chuck finally said during the <laughs> pandemic yet, I'm done. And he's got another twist he's taken out with the Brunswick Youth Experience. And he's doing all this stuff Good for him uh, kind of thing. Let's him work nice from home. But I work being out there 20 years talking. It doesn't matter if it's Sean Rash or some guy that's out for his first tournament, trying to get all these guys to, into the winner's circle. It's That's not. It's not an easy job. No right? doubt, it really isn't. Totally agree. As much as people think it's, oh, they're just talking what ball to change to and stuff like that. It's a hell of a lot more. Than How that. many ball reps do the rest of these dudes have that aren't with Storm? Well, when they're, they're on TV, they're, they're, I saw two yeah. Brunswick guys with yeah. Dino Castillo and Mike Wolf when yeah. when uh, Kai Kau was out there or Kauku was out there. Um, yeah, Rob Brett Stone and, did not like that. Yeah, name, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> neither did Randy. Like that Rand, uh, Randy just went with Ta- with Tomas. Tomas, Tomas. Yeah. right? So, uh, and then Brett Spangler and Nick Parr are usually the two guys out there from from Motive. So, there's yeah. your three companies. Big Bowling is no longer a PB a product registered company. So that's you know one less fish in the water. So there you go. So that's it. That's that's the end of it. That went way longer than I thought that last one, but I almost forgot. And I was losing my mind watching this. I'm like, how is this beneficial? This makes absolutely no damn sense. Uh, he is uh, Dwight. Already follow him on uh, Twitter. Uh, Dwight 300. Phil Bradlow at Bruce City Bowling. If you blocked him, unblock him. I mean, he, he really is. He's just a misunderstood soul. That $2 Phil. Uh, you can follow me uh, at Sparky Radio. Very few people have me blocked. Well, so far some i don't know maybe as many as phil i don't know <laughs> have a good one we'll talk to you again next week again we record on mondays now as we get closer having our tv shows each and every week as we get ready uh for the tv uh, shows to start to kick in they officially kick in what march i feel they start going every week some like about middle of March. Uh, tv yeah so there's yeah. three upcoming events are gonna be back to back to back in 
Missouri, Oklahoma, and Kansas that are going to be on bowl TV only for when they roll it, start to finish. And then, yeah, we get back on in March with a special event from Phoenix uh, with tied in with NASCAR. Uh, go bowling show that they're going to do with a celebrity pro-am and then back to uh, the tournament champions. Again, also smart tying in with NASCAR, just saying. Uh, that'll do it. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. Toodles.